Welcome in to Patrick Jones Baseball, where we combine the old school and the new school way of thinking in order to help the most amount of players that we possibly can. On this episode, we have Brian Eisenberg. Brian is a keynote speaker. He's a best-selling author, but he's also a dad, and he has a son who uh, loves baseball. Um, He would probably consider himself to be a data-driven baseball dad because he has studied so much up on the game to help his son and talks about what exactly he he does in order to help his son um, with all the analytics that are out there today. And we we get into uh, speaking as well. You know, like I said, Brian is a keynote speaker, so he's a professional speaker. Um, I also I asked him some questions about what it what it takes to engage an audience, because as a coach, you know, I want my players uh, to to be listening to me when I'm talking, and that's not always easy. So. Um, I think this episode is going to help a, a different range of people, uh, from from coaches to actually players as well, um, and to parents out there. So if you haven't already, make sure to go subscribe uh, to the podcast over on iTunes. Um, go to Patrick Jones Baseball, search that. If you rate and leave a review, um, that that helps the show a lot, and it helps more people learn about the show. And so we're going to be now be able to to grow and um, to help more coaches and players. Um, become better and develop at a faster rate because more and more of the information is out there. So head on over to iTunes. Make sure to go uh, to go do that. Um, and now stepping up to the plate, Brian Eisenberg. All right, and we now welcome on Brian Eisenberg, who is a keynote speaker, best-selling author, and a data-driven baseball dad. Brian, thanks for coming on today. It's my pleasure to be here, Patrick. So I was actually on uh, your son's podcast. Um, your son, Sammy, he has a podcast. It's it's called Play Ball Kid. Um, check it out on iTunes. It's awesome. Um, had a lot of fun with him. And so... Since it, since it is a baseball podcast, Sammy, your son is into baseball, plays baseball. Um, but I'm kind of curious, before um, you had Sammy, like, were you into baseball? I know you are now, but but was it like that before you had him? Oh, yeah. Now, growing up, I was always a, a, a big baseball uh, fan. My uh, my dad was actually drafted to, to play professional soccer in Argentina. Um, you know, when my parents moved uh, to the United States – you know, they didn't really know a lot about organized sports right here. And so I I never got involved in anything organized, but, you know, I always played, always watched, you know, uh, you know, played with, you know, high school friends and played in the park by my house, uh, you know, played basketball. I was, you know, played everything, right. I mean, you know, stick ball, punch ball, you name it. I was, I I was there for it. Football didn't, didn't matter. Just, you know, always active. Um, College played a little bit, played softball as well. Uh, but that was about it. Then my first, my first, uh, you know, child was a daughter. She had no interest in sports whatsoever. Um, and uh, at that at that time, I was running uh, uh, an agency with my brother. We had uh, one of the first agencies to focus in on uh, online conversion rates and customer experience. And um, being in an agency life was a twenty four seven kind of gig, and put on a ton of weight. And uh, Sammy comes along. And, you know, he's starting to play and just trying to keep up with him. And then I have another one coming coming uh, soon. And I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. So uh, I had to t- turn my life around, left the agency world. Um, both my brother and I left 
and uh, started focusing on my health and uh, focusing in on, you know, helping him achieve what he wanted to achieve. That's uh, that's interesting. Um, I didn't know that you were one of the first people to kind of start doing that in the online world. Um, so what like what have you been or what have you seen from uh, the game of baseball kind of from the time Sammy has started playing versus uh, versus now? Like, were you have you been teaching him the same things all along or kind of how has that worked? Well, so, you know, I think Sammy was probably, oh, maybe about nine years old. And, um, you know, know, we had moved to Austin from Brooklyn uh, a little over seven years ago. So he was about seven, you know, so he was about seven when we first got here. And, you know, he's playing and, you know, there there are guys who are former pros and, you know, college guys. And, you know, they're all telling me he's got, you know, he's got that it factor. And I'm like, okay, and I'm watching him and I'm, you know, watching him swing, watching him pitching and you know, I, I had some knowledge, but I didn't really know enough. Like I realized I was going to, I was going to hit my ceiling on, you know, how I could help him. So I did what I do best, right? I spend a lot of time online and I, and I researched and, um, you know, use social media and, and became friends with, um, you know, people that, you know, I think everybody on, on this podcast would recognize, you know, folks like uh, Bobby Tewksbury and, and Lance Wheeler and Matt Lyle and, um, you know, Joey Myers, I mean, just on and on. I mean, just, you know, ton, tons of people over the years. And um, it was about uh, when Sammy turned, a little t- after he turned nine, when uh, the first batting sensors came out. And that's when I realized, oh, now, you, see, you know, now we're going more into my realm. Because, you know, I also founded the uh, Web Analytics Association, which is now the Digital Analytics Association. And it's not that I'm a, a, a data geek, Right. Like I don't love spending my days in spreadsheets, but I understand how to use data to, to improve results. That that's that that's been my business. It's like, you know, how do I make businesses better every single day? Right. So I know what questions to ask. Now, all of a sudden, I had a tool that gave me insight into the questions I need to ask in terms of improving his swing. You know, how fast can he get to contact? How you know, how fast was he swinging the bat? Uh, you know, at, at what angle uh, was he swinging the bat? By the way, he's always swung the bat up. <laughs> just um, to clarify <laughs> just to clarify yeah that's 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 been a constant um you, you know that might go back to my days in brooklyn playing wiffle ball where you know if you had you wanted to hit a home run you basically needed to put above the porches on the houses across the street so you had to lift the ball one way or another <laughs> um but yeah it was it was using zap and and i think that really started changing uh, our approach and that's that's uh, that's also how uh, you know bobby Tewksbury and i became uh, you know really close friends just you know, we kept talking to each other about the data and, and, and um, you know, what it, what it can do and, and how it can transform people. And I think that's uh, uh, it, it's amazing to see from, you know, th- those early, you know, bat sensors to, to what's available now. You know, he's 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 training now and, you know, using things like hit tracks and K-Vest and Rapsodo. And, I mean, you, you name it. Uh, it, it, it. You know, he's he's played around with it and we're using it for his development. Is it tough for you when you watch him train to uh, not say something if you think he's doing something wrong, or like how do you how do you handle that? Because everyone's seen the dad on the fence, um, you know, yelling at his kid to get his back elbow up or whatnot. And I'm sure you know for the most part, I really do believe this. They, they just want to help. They just can't help it. It's their kid. They love him. They want him to do well. Um, but like, what what's been your approach? Um, you know, there, there's been moments that, that, that I might've, I, I might've, you know, said something, but usually I try to, you know, like get, catch him in between inning and just kind of review, you know, maybe, you know, give him a little tidbit of say, Hey, you know, we've been working on this one, tried doing this. 
but but really, I try not to overwhelm him. You know, during a game. I mean, I, I you know he's there. What we've practiced. You know, for the last few months or that week is is what he's bringing into that game. You know, that's the deck he's he's been dealt with, and he's just got to figure it out that week, right? Um, and and that's how that's how you grow. But ultimately, um, you know, in training, absolutely. I, you know, I'm going to be telling him, and of course, you know, typical teenager, he's 14 now, um, doesn't always enjoy that. Um, but it's about always finding the right moments. Um, I, I've taken forever. I've taken lots and lots of video of him, both in game and in practice. And we use that for him to go over to see it himself, right? Like, oh, now I, now I get what I'm doing. And, and, it's, and it's funny. We had one of those moments. Um, it's been happening over the last few weeks. So, you know, he went through another growth spurt a couple of months ago. Um, uh, you know, I know a lot of, a lot of dads will be jealous, you know, uh, when, you know, when they hear my just turned 14 year old, six foot two and 210 pounds, uh, you know, it's size 15 sneakers. You know, he he's not the, yeah, he's not, he's not the, you know, the undersized kid for sure. He's definitely the slower one. Right. But he's always been that very strong kid. Um, and through this last growth spurt, one of the things that happened was, uh, and, and, and we recognize it when, uh, Bobby actually came down to visit that he was having a hip restriction, right? Just that's one of the, just part of the way the body pulled itself. All of a sudden the hip wasn't moving the way it used to move. And so he was compensating in his swing. And so Bobby tried to help him out and we, we, we got something. And then, um, you know, he's been working on a couple things. He, he had just basically used an adjustment in the box to, to compensate for it, right? We didn't, you know, and of course we were working through hip mobility routines and stuff like that to get that mobility back in place and all that. And that's been improving. But there was something he was still doing once in a while on a swing, and we we're trying to really understand it. And uh, Bobby's co-author of Be a Hitter, uh, Chris Colabella, was uh, in town overnight, and you know we we hung out and we did our. Uh, uh, by the way, if you come to town, uh, I will take you for Torchy's tacos. It's just a it's just a thing I do with every baseball coach who comes to town. Oh, nice. <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll that's a whole different discussion. Um, and and Chris tells him something, and you know. Sammy gets it. He knows what he needs to do, right? But then he's uh, listening to the audiobook of the MVP machine. And um, I don't know if you've read it or not yet, but there's that section where they talk about uh, uh, Turner and how he adjusted his swing. Yeah, I have not read of, read it, but I have. Uh, I, that's actually one of the things I wanted to talk to you about because I heard you, you've been listening to it. Yeah, yeah. So he listens to that. And all of a sudden he comes back to me. He stopped you know, like he, he pulled me whatever I was doing. He said, you know, I'm just listening to this and it's like, it clicked. Like, he's doing exactly what I'm trying to do. Like, yeah, exactly. And so he had to get to his own epiphany that what we were saying was right. And and uh, Lance always likes to tease Sammy that, you know, whatever your dad tells you, he's probably right. <laughs> right? Because I've just spent so much time studying. And it's not, again, I'm not trying to do this about from an ego perspective. But, you know, I've invested a ton of my time into becoming the best expert for him. And um, it comes back to a principle, uh, uh, um, uh, one of my first jobs, I was, I was a teacher before I got into the on online world, uh, teacher and social worker. And my first principal uh, gave me this advice. He said, you know, to be a great teacher, all you need to remember is you need to be one day ahead of your student. Mm. One day ahead. And so that's all I'm trying to be for him, right? Uh, that and having the ability to not be inside his own body, right? I, I have that outside perspective. And so he needs to internalize it. And I think that's a part that a lot of dads and coaches miss that, you know, kids need to internalize it the way they have to internalize it. We can't force it on them, right? It, it, this is a really critical point. But 
we need to do our best to help give them our outside perspective in a way also that they can absorb it, right? Because if, if it just aggravates them, we did nothing. Yeah, no, that's right? a, that's a that's a great point. No, no question about it. That's a, that's a very very good point, and um, I do I do like your approach. I like how much time that you've put in to help him versus just um, kind of winging it based on everything you previously knew. That's that's very cool as well. And I wish I knew a couple other dads like that. And I think it's awesome. I really do that. They invest time and it's, it's fun to talk to them because uh, I guess they've done so much, you know, homework and research that they know exactly what they're talking about. It's like talking to a kind of another coach in a sense. Oh, I mean, you know, if, if, if you could be a fly on the wall when, you know, Bobby and I have conversations about hitting and, and, and body movement or, um, you know, with, with Sammy strength growth friend, Janeka or Scott Lacey, who's the, you know, the, the skills coordinator, true grind or, or, or Lance Wheeler or something else. like you'd be like, okay, I'm asking different questions because I'm, I'm not coming from it from the same perspective that you guys have. Right. And I think that's, a, that's an important part. You know, we don't, I'm not taking certain things for granted that you guys have always known. Um, and this is something, you know, I, I deal with businesses all the time, right? I always like to say, you know, you can't read the label when you're inside the bottle, right? You have spent so many hours, so much time, you know, day in and day out thinking of these things that um, you have what, what Chip and Dan Heath call a curse of knowledge. Mm. And I'm coming at it from, you know, I'm not going to say ignorant, but uninformed, right? So when I when I come and I start to look at things, I'm like, oh, Okay, and and so I'll give I'll give you a simple one, right? That that I started questioning, and we don't have answers for, but but you'll probably have you thinking a little bit differently. So one of the things that Bobby said is when he uses KVS on athletes, especially you know the, the the top hitters, he usually likes to see them close off their hips about twenty five degrees, right? I mean, you've probably seen the same thing. Yep, yep. Right, and and now think about this. When you think about that 25 degree hinge, which is basically what they're doing, right? That's the closing off of the hip. They're getting into their hinge. Right. The what what Bobby calls the power band, that that elite spot of where athletes get their most power, is usually around 25 degrees of a launch angle. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So the question I had for him was, okay. Now, assuming there are no other variables, and of course in baseball there are always lots of variables, right? Pitch location, pitch break, spin, uh, you know, uh, you know where you make contact. And about. There's so many other factors, right? Because we are hitting a round ball off a round bat, right? Um, if you just stay on that 25 degree turn, essentially, right? And if you come back and then you you bring it back out, and everything stayed in perfect alignment—the bat, the ball, everything you'd probably hit the ball at exactly 25 degree launch angle. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. And, it, and like, just try to, and it's me trying to simplify the concept in my head. And of course, you know what? Yeah. If you, if you have to, you know, tilt your body down to get a pitch low and outside, you're not, you're no longer in that same 25 degrees right, right? now. You have to do something else to launch it into that range. But it's just thinking in, in those, those, you know, outside the box, um, uh, perspectives that um, both have guided my my business, right? This is what what I've I've helped businesses try to do is is look at things from from different perspectives, and and the same thing I'm I'm doing with baseball and and trying to develop Sammy with that. Yeah, and I think um, 
kind of what you're talking about is kind of similar to what that book uh, MVP MVP machine is. You know how to take data to uh, to build better players. Where you take it to help you know businesses out. It's it's just it's something that um, that it makes sense to me, and I think um, clearly it makes sense to you. And you can use it in baseball. But you can also use it in business too. Yeah, it's it's funny. I I, I have this conversation, um, you know, all the time about you know what the uh, analytics journey looks like, um, you know, because I I've seen it. You know, when, when I first started on the web, you know, there there were no, um, you know, there were no uh, easy solutions for tracking. Like you know, today everybody has Google Analytics, right? And so you know, it was my friend Brett and Scott Crosby who who, who founded that company, Urchin, that eventually got bought by Google, that eventually became Google Analytics, and now everybody's got analytics on their website. Right. Yeah. Uh, and of course, there are other companies and stuff like that. But when I first started, uh, you know, on the Web, there were these little, um, you know, visitor trackers that just, you know, counted uh, how many people showed up. Um, uh, and then there were log files and, and you just had to sort through it with Excel and try to figure out what happened. Um, you know, I, eventually we started figuring out, OK, there's some correlations between some of the data. And so, uh, it, you know, if you've ever gone into your Google Analytics, you know, there's something called a bounce rate. Right. Right. That bounce rate didn't exist until my friend Jim Nova and I invented it as a term that shows up in every analytics program today. Uh-huh. And um, this first layer uh, or, or this first leg in the analytics journey is just identifying what happened. And, th- and that's pretty much what baseball has done over the last hundred years. They've really focused in on what has happened, what's happened in the game, what's happened, um, you know, a- as we brought players up. And, and that's really all the, the data we were looking at. We're now starting to enter uh, uh, the next leg of the journey, which is why did things happen, right? So we're now saying, ah, okay, so so you know why were why were these guys getting all these strikeouts out, you know, at the top of the zone, and others were getting crushed there, and others were doing great at the bottom of the zone, and, and others were getting you know crushed there, and we're starting to realize, oh well, you know, now we can track spin rate, and we realize, you know, those high spin rate guys, they can live at the top of the zone because ball doesn't kind of looks like it defies gravity. And those low spin rate guys, that ball drops way, way more than we would expect, you know, from our brain to, to react to that. And so we're starting to get into, you know, a little bit more into why these things happen. That's the second leg of the journey. You know, the third leg of the journey is, you know, what will happen, right? And, and we know that like 50% of all, um, you know, first round draft picks never play a major league game. That's just incredible stat. Right. And so when you start thinking about that and you think about, OK, well, the rest of the draft picks, you know, as 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 an industry, baseball has been pretty bad at predicting what will happen. Right. 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 We're not there yet. And, you know, we're starting to see some of that with some of the organizations, um, but I think it's still in the very early days. So, you know, we, we've now starting to move move through this journey. And the last leg of the journey is, you know, how can we make these things happen? And uh, that's that's what I've been focused on with with Sammy's development. How can I use data? How can I do? How can I use what uh, understanding of what the best are doing out there uh, to make things happen for him? Because you know, yeah, you know, he loves the game. Not necessarily the most. You know, I, I think he's talented. I don't think he's you know the most talented, right? But he's willing to work hard. And apart from working hard, it's about working smart. And that is what the data gives you an opportunity to do. And not only, you know, just the number data, right? Not the, the hit tracks and Repsoto and, 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 and Blast and, and all, all those other, uh, you know, the, uh, pieces of information that we can get to the KVEST, but also, you know, how do we become smarter at using this data, 
How do we get smarter at looking at the information that's out there? You know, how, how do we learn who to trust and who not to trust? And I think that is one of the biggest struggles that um, as a parent, I struggle because when I when I first went online starting to look for information, it was hard to figure out, you know, who had the goods and who didn't. Right. Yeah. I was uh I was just talking to some parents about that the other night. They they kind of said something similar like there's just so much information out there. Like there's too much. We we don't know like who to believe and who not to believe. And if you, you know, log on to Twitter and you pick uh one person and you start following them because I mean, let's be honest, everyone thinks that they know the right way, but if this particular person is sending you down the wrong in a hole, you know, it it could be bad. <laughs> oh, I I mean, I I I see this in times as well, right? Where you know, there, there are kids doing drills, let's say, or, or exercises that they may have, you know, picked up from their coach. And they're not necessarily that smart to do them, right? Mm-hmm. But because, you know, this kid's very popular, you know, online, a whole bunch of people start doing it and it's actually counterproductive. Um, you know, what, what I'll tell you is, you, you know, what I certainly learned is success leaves clues, not just good marketing. Mm. Right. Um, And so we need to get past, you know, get past just the good marketing and look at the people who are out there. You know, again, they don't have to be the best ones, but you can tell who's hungry for more information, who doesn't have massive egos, who's always thirsty to learn more. Because anybody out there who honestly believes they know everything there is to know about building a swing or developing the best pitcher. Um, then they'd be doing it over and over and over and over and over again. And to my knowledge, um, you know, and, and through everything I've ever seen online, uh, I've never seen someone be able to pump somebody through, you know, uh, you know, kind of like an automatic version, like, oh, yep, that's another success, right? right. There's a lot to this game. And so uh, look for the ones who've done it with a lot of people. Look for the ones that, you know, that are constantly question things, are, that are great students of the game. I mean, Sammy just finished a... A podcast episode coming back to it with um, uh, Chris Almanderas that just went live today. And Chris Almanderas is the uh, president of the Round Rock Express. You know, really good friends with Nolan and 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 Reed Ryan. Um, and and uh, he he's the father of also two baseball boys. One who you know played in in um, D one in, uh, in University of Houston in Houston, um, and now his youngest son is going there. Uh, they both played in the high school that Sammy you know is headed to. Um, and so, you know, from a baseball dad perspective, I'm like, okay, yeah, no, what Chris has done has been, you know, really, really phenomenal. And, you know, it's, it, it really is about, you know, identifying the right people in the baseball family that are going to support your vision and your dream and, and, you know, and, and finding the right mentors that, um, that help them. And I, I certainly, I don't think Sammy would, you know, be, you know, nearly, you know, where he'd be if it wasn't for, you know, all the, the, the whole team that's around him. Yeah. And I, I, I can, with that entire thing that you just said, I, I completely, completely agree. I, I really like how you kind of phrase that entire um, segment there. That was, um, that was awesome. And I, I just, I really agree with that. When I going into Sammy and I assume he plays summer baseball. So summer baseball, it's a beast of its own. Um, I'm coaching a summer baseball team right now, actually. And um, so how do you go about picking picking a summer baseball team for your kid? So he he was going to he was going to play summer ball. You know, his high school has an incoming freshman team. Um, But he 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 sort of made a decision that uh, this spring was a little bit of a weird one here in Texas. So he didn't really get 
the kind of work he wanted to. He didn't hit the goals that he wanted to on a personal level from from his metrics um, that he wanted to be able to basically showcase to his high school coach from the first time he saw him play. And so he decided to just focus in on his training all summer long. So, you know, his goal as an incoming freshman is to be able to, you know, throw over 80 miles an hour, um, you know, hit consistently balls, you know, 85 plus uh, exit velo uh, and to peak significantly higher than that. Um, you know, he wants to improve his running speed considerably. And so, you know, now he's uh, he's spending the summer um, here in Austin at, at a facility called True Grind. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's there, you know, hours and hours a day, uh, working on, on, you know, his, his strength and, and, uh, his speed and, uh, his power and of course his skills. That's pretty rare though, isn't it? I mean, there's thousands of these kids. I, I mean, I'm at, I'm at a grand park right now in Indianapolis and I'm, there must be 40 different turf fields. At least it seems like anyway, just kids and kids playing, um, I feel like it's, uh, isn't that when, the, when you say that's kind of rare for a kid to take a step back and say, I need to get better first before I go to all these showcases, you know, a lot of kids, yeah, a lot of, a lot of kids and their parents fall into the trap of, you know, playing too much, um, you know, thinking that, you know, this showcases that, you know, the, or, or, or this team is the must if they're going to get there. Look, at the end of the day, and we're, we're seeing it now, and, you know, we've seen it with even guys who train at the same gym as him. If you work hard and you work your, your butt off, um, today people will find you <laughs> one way or another, right? We, you know, th- think, you know, people like Rob Friedman with Pitching Ninja and his flat ground app, um, right? You know, pe- people are finding the talent. So, um, you know, I've never worried about him showcasing every, every tryout he's ever done. He's pretty much, you know, dominating it other, other than the speed component of it. You know, every team has always wanted him. Uh, he's turned down teams where he felt that the chemistry wasn't right. He is just focusing on what his long-term goal is, and he understands that if he, you know, if if he works at getting one percent better every day, you know, he doesn't have to be the best one on the field that day, right? Like if he if he showcased today, but he'll get there because no one's going to outwork him. No one's going to work, like I said, smarter than him. Um, and you know, he is. Like I said, the reason he started a podcast, right? He is hungry for more information, from learning more. And so what better way than to start asking your own questions from, you know, all the great baseball people who are out there? That's a good point. <laughs> Very good point. So for a living, you're like you, you kind of I talked about it a little bit earlier in this um in this podcast. I and mean, I know you're you're a keynote speaker, best selling author, and so there's uh, there are a lot of coaches who listen to this podcast as well, and if you're a coach out there, um, you um, you talk to your team right sometimes before the game, sometimes after the game, and I know I do. And, and sometimes while you're talking, you can look and see that some players aren't paying attention at all. Um, how do you? I know this is very hard. To, it, it really truly is hard to do. Uh, keep an audience engaged. Like, what would you like? What's your kind of um, like key to doing that? So it, it, it's funny. One, one of my metrics when I'm giving a keynote is to watch uh, how I keep people off their phones. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's one thing if they're if I see that obviously they're tweeting or you know they're taking pictures and that, that's cool. But I try, you know, like I, I have to be way more engaging than whatever's on their phone, and, and that you know that certainly takes a lot of work. I I think there, again there's a, there's a perspective problem, and I think you know coaches miss the, what their real job is, and. 
Um, I, I like to say I actually delivered this in, in the in the last uh, keynote I delivered it uh, down in Miami a couple weeks ago, which is baseball and business. The the changes in there, right? The, with the rise of Amazon. And my last book was called "Be Like Amazon." Even a lemonade stand can do it. The, the, parallel what's been going on from a data perspective. And of course, the business side's a little ahead of the baseball side right now, right? We see what what you know the kind of growth that Amazon had, and. There is a quote from Jeff Bezos that I think every coach should take to heart. So first of all, you know, everybody who, who's a real good coach is, you know, understands that our job is one of persuasion, right? Uh, or a lot of people would think, you know, we're, we're in a sales job. We've got to get people to, to buy what we're selling them, right? Yeah. But Jeff Bezos, uh, in, in, uh, there's a very you know, famous story about uh, dealing with the book publishers and then fighting with him about putting up reviews about, his, uh, you know, uh, uh, about all the books on the site. And Jeff Bezos goes, you don't seem to understand. We are not in the business of selling books. We're in the business of helping customers buy books. Hmm. Our job as coaches, as parents, um, as mentors is to help people buy the way they want to buy. And, you know, if you're not getting through to your, to your athletes is because they're not buying the way you're telling them. And, and that's really it. Or the way you're showing them, you need to understand that, you know, that they're a little bit different. You know, uh, Lance Weaver, you know, for example, one of the models he likes to use is, you know, there are auditory learners and visual learners and, and kinesthetic learners. Majority of baseball players are are kinesthetic. They, they need to feel things. There's no question, right? Yeah, but I agree. Um, you know, Sammy, for example, is an auditory learner. He needs to hear it and then process it. Okay, so that's one difference. Every athlete has different motivations. They have different goals. And if we're not taking the time to understand, you know, who our personas are, who 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 are the athletes, and what we're trying to do, you know, for them, what they're trying to achieve. Um, we're, we're doing them a disjustice. Um, how, how do you think about, uh, like using social media in that regard? It has its place, right? And, and again, you know, not, not, not every kid is, is super active on social media. Not every kid is on social media for the same way. Um, you know, I, I definitely like to, to, to tell people, you know, they're, they're basically, you know, anytime we do a presentation, there are four things that we have to do. OK, and I think it's the same thing whenever you create, you know, a presentation in person, whether you're you're creating, um, you know, something on social media. And if you keep these four things in mind um, and then you understand how social media works, because every social media has its own um, its own triggers, then you could be successful. So let's talk about the four things and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of talk into the social media aspect of it. OK. So the four things that you, you need to do is every great presentation, right? Whether you're coaching, whether you're selling, whether you're, you know, wh whether you're writing a book, whether you're, 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 you know, putting a video together, four things it has to do. It has to share what the big idea is. What's the big takeaway? And especially if you're selling information, the big idea is probably where you want to spend the most amount of time really making sure it's super clear that the big idea is there. Right. And this is this was the beauty for Sammy kind of just tying back in to listening to, the, to that part in the MVP machine about Turner and the stuff we were working on, because he heard that big idea of what, oh, that transformed his swing. Now I get why you're stressing this so much. Mm. 
right? So that gave him a clear explanation. It gave him a, a, a case study of someone, hey, who had similar kind of thing, but transformed it by doing this, right? And so, um, you know, being able to use like also metaphors and parables and histories, those things help sell that big idea. The next one is the hope, right? Um, I, I want him to change. I want him to, to, you know, to hit more home runs and have more power and hit balls, you know, deeper into the gap and all of that. And so he needs to see that 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 promise, right? That that hope of what will be next. What's 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 his vision of, of what he can potentially do? So again, this is where good stories always work. Stories always work, kind of like for all these pieces. But um, other other ways that you can visualize what this hope is. The third one is the nuts and bolts, right? What is the actual solution for getting there? And so. You know, trying to get kids to do particular drills like, you know, look, at the end of the day, you know, sitting in a gym for, you know, six hours a day and, you know, that's between hitting and pitching and lifting and speed work and all that, um, you know, in the hot Texas sun when, you know, like today it's going to be about 111 with the heat, uh, with, with the feels like, um, is not a very fun thing to do per se, right? But when you understand that, okay, you know, we're making you do this drill because this is going to help with this aspect they start getting bought in because you've now given them the big idea. Here's what we're trying to get you to do, right? Here is what it's going to do for you, right? That's that's the hope. Here's how we get there. And we have to explain the intent behind everything we do so that it aligns with those other ones. But then comes the last one. And this is the one that really ties into the social media part, okay? Which is entertainment. At the end of the day, when people are on Instagram, as opposed to let, let's talk about all the other ones, because the kids are on Instagram and on Snapchat and they're very different than than Twitter and Facebook um, and even somewhat of YouTube. Um, YouTube has some of it. But basically what you're what you're really what, what these platforms are doing is they're uh, they're basically, you know, drug centers. They, they're basically triggering the dopamine center. And if you can't get them, you know, their dopamine triggers, they if they can't get you know, excited by what they saw, they don't like it, they ignore it. And the algorithm ignores you and doesn't show it to other people. When you put all four together, now you're, you're cooking with fire. And, uh, I, you know, I've been teaching this to Sammy and, you know, he started a secondary uh, uh, Instagram account. I was telling you earlier, right? He's got his own personal, but on his Playbull Kid account, which was also first podcast, you know, he's getting, you know, 30, 40 plus thousand uh, impressions a month and, and, and reaches and shares and all that when he has only about 300 followers because it's a relatively new account that he's been focused on. So the algorithm rewards you because you're basically doing these things. You're, you're, you're entertaining them. You're giving them that dopamine high. And kids today need that short dopamine high. If you don't figure out what gives them that enjoyment, you know, for some of them it's Everything has to be a competition. So make more things competition. Like, you know, if it's, you know, how fast you put all your gear away into the locker, make that a competition. Like, that's what that's what drives, like, the, you know, you're better athletes. You know, if you turn any, like, Sammy's always been that way. If I, I turn anything into a competition with him, his siblings, his friends, he has to be the winner. <laughs> that's his enjoyment center. That's what he loves. So find ways to trigger that. So it goes back to, again, 
getting to know each of your players? Help them buy. Help them buy. Help. We need to be of service to them. Understand them. Understand their needs. Understand what drives them. How they process their information. Um, And, you know, what, what their goals are. And then it becomes much easier to, to accomplish your tasks. It's interesting you you brought up social media because I remember um, I think I might have mentioned this before in a previous episode, but I remember I was I'm helping you know I was helping coach out a team, uh, coach a baseball team not that long ago, and um, uh, you know I, I'm coaching the team and, and I actually ended up doing an Instagram live um, for something kind of I, I don't know if it was a podcast I don't even remember what it was. And all these kids on this team, uh, I, I actually in the Instagram live, I said, if anyone has any questions, you know, shoot them away or whatnot. And so um, I started getting all these questions from all these kids on my team. I've never heard of any of them uh, ask any of these questions before. And this was like a month or two into the season. And so I was like, this is this is interesting how, you know, they feel more comfortable asking these questions. And I, I had no idea that they were you know, having problems with, you know, whatever the swing mechanics, whatever they were trying to accomplish before. I had no idea because they never said that, um, but they felt more comfortable saying it um, online. On a camera. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they were on your show. Remember, it, it went from being in a, oh, you're a, um, an authority position to you're a celebrity edition. Right. Right. And, you, you know, they they all want to be social media stars. They all again, not all right. But but so many of them, you know, want to want to have that recognition, want, you know. And so, yeah, they want to be able to participate in in it. And and if that's one way that that helps our athletes get those questions out, that that's phenomenal. Right. And that's why every coach, you know, needs to basically do, uh, um, you know, I, I wrote a book in 2009. The title was Always Be Testing. And, and it's the same thing, you know, it, it's a culture issue. It's like, you know, we always have to be experimenting. We always have to be growing. That's why, you know, when, when, when I look, you know, at, at, at the online world of coaches and I have to say, okay, you know, who, who do I idolize? And, and I mean, and I mean that, and like I said, there's a lot of great coaches, but who do I idolize? It's Jerry Weinstein, right? This is a, this is a man who's been doing this for 50 years, you know, at every conference, you'll always find him in the front of the row. I, you know, I was there at ABCA uh, in Dallas, just saw him there, um, He's always asking questions. He, you know, like, you know, I got a chance to meet um, him and and kind of be a, a fly in the wall when uh, him and Lance Wheeler were chatting at spring training uh, a couple of years ago. Like, it, unbelievable. Um, um, uh, Coach Hefner, right from DBU. Yeah. Uh, he attended one of uh, Lance's uh, um, uh, pitching camps with one of his sons, right? And so Sammy is is actually, you know, throwing with 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 his son. And I'm uh, and doing all these different drills, and I'm I'm watching Heathner with a notebook, just constantly taking notes. That's pretty cool. And when you realize that, no, 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 the best coaches really are just doing that. They're they're one day ahead. As much as they know, they're always one day ahead because everything is changing. I think this is the the principle I learned when I was uh, working with my uh, with the with, with some colleagues at Google. Right, we 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 helped them out for a couple of years. And my friend, and again, right, Google hires a lot of younger people, and he's one of the younger guys there, brilliant, brilliant kid. But he said it best to me, and I think it's the same holds true in baseball. We live in a world where everything is quicksand. Everything is changing overnight. And you either get very comfortable with that quicksand very quickly, 
or you're going to drown. Mm. I like that. I like that phrase. I like that, actually. I might steal that. Yeah, and I think that's that's where we are today. So, like, you know what? We need to keep experimenting. We keep, need to keep moving. We need to keep figuring out because, you know what? Tomorrow there's going to be another piece of technology that's all of a sudden going to bring us all new kinds of insight that we never even thought of. And if we're not ready to adapt, if we're not always testing, uh, if we're not always focusing on how we can help our athletes, and it's always about our business and our coaching and our perspective, um, you know, you're just going to be an old dinosaur. And we know what happened to the dinosaurs. (laughs) They became extinct. Exactly. Brian, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, I really enjoyed this. And I, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I like doing this. I know I was on, um, I talked to you last week when I was on your son's podcast, um, which is again, play ball kid on iTunes. Um, but, um, I like, I like doing stuff like this where it's kind of, it's not just so simply mechanics driven or whether it's pitching hitter or whatnot. Um, it's still revolved around the game of baseball, but it's just in a different context and it, it makes it fun. So again, um, you're an expert in your world, but I felt like you, by you coming on, um, you were going to help out a lot of different people listening to this podcast. And I definitely think you did that. So I, uh, I appreciate it. Well, it was a lot of fun for me as well, and uh, yeah, I'm headed. I'm headed off to uh, to go uh, meet Sam and get my workout in before he's done with his day, so I can uh, uh, bring him home and get some good quality food in him because you don't train that hard if you don't eat well as well. And uh, eating, by the way, I, I always call it two points: feed the mind, feed the body. Nice, love it, love it. <laughs>